but I had uh, two grandsons at the Follow Conference and a daughter and a son. So we came back and they, um, someone had left something behind because the group slept over from Bay Vineyard at our church. And so um, I got the full report from all the kids. That was an awesome conference and um, good mix of fun and, and the, the Holy Spirit. And one of my grandsons can be a little pain. And, and um, <laughs> he, he, my son was saying he started worshipping and there was tears coming down his face uh, as he was worshipping in the presence of God. And I thought, well, that, isn't that amazing that that uh, where you think they're at sometimes is a different place to where they really are, you know. Yeah. As I said, I've, I've been looking after uh, Ramadi Beach Church. I thought it was going to be for about a month, and uh, it's now been about a year and a half, and so we're starting to ask questions why nobody likes us. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. <laughs> and we're looking forward to having James come and preach on Pentecost Sunday, where we're expecting a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. No pressure, James. It's a, just saying that we're coming with huge expectations that God's going to move very powerfully in the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, so. Okay, so, yeah, anyway, it is lovely to be here. I had uh, two of my children, uh, Pete and Gabriel, worship here for a number of years. And we used to love coming down and joining them in worship. And uh, it was just something beautiful about the worship that you have. I don't think you realise how good it is compared to what you might get in other churches, just pointing that out. And, and also, I used to love Marty's messages about getting into the river of God and what God was doing. And it was just, I don't know, I just felt that every time I came here, I was um, ministered to and came away strengthened in my spirit. So that was what I think you guys have got a whole lot more than you realise what you've got. So... so uh, What's I going to tell you? Um, so I've, I've, so I'm, I've been given a, a job to do. There it is. <laughs> uh, to speak on the Great Commission. And, and I started preparing. And, and then I realised three years ago, and it's still on your jolly Spotify, that my message there, which was the best ever sermon I've ever preached on the Great Commission, is still there. <laughs> so what you're getting today is the second best or <laughs> totally different to what I... Um, what I was thinking I was going to share. And, and the other thing, yeah, um, I just had a mental blank. Um, that, yeah, that, that I, to get here has been an amazing kind of thing that's just happened over the last few days, um, last, yeah, few days. We had this sort of spiritual attack. You know how, how one thing goes wrong, you don't think it's anything, but when you have half a dozen you think, oh my goodness, uh, this is kind of a spiritual thing. You know, when you, you twig, like I passed out on a dentist chair because uh, it was an anaesthetic kind of, got a vein or something. Anyway, I passed out and then felt rubbish all day. My wife got sick, so that's why she's not here today. And then the car broke down and then there was an altercation with someone at church where they were kind of rude and my wife was very gracious, but she was still fuming when she got home. <laughs> and there's all these, oh, sorry, there's all these things where you kind of think, uh, there's a number, a, a number of other things. You think, oh, I don't think the devil wants me to talk about the, the Great Commission, about his heart for going into the world. And that kind of stirred me up because I said, I just have to be here because this is something that where I think God is at work 
And, you know, you had that conference that was yesterday. I don't think that was by accident. I feel like this church has been through this COVID period. It's now coming out the other end. And God is wanting to use this church mightily, far more than you realise because of the amazing worship that you have, the amazing pastor and his wife that you have, and all these other things that you, you have everything in place for God to do a good work in your midst. And I think perhaps my, part of my message today is to raise your expectation of what God wants to do in this place and that He's beginning to do. And this little conference that you had, even though it was a small beginning, is something where, as it says in Isaiah 1, do not despise the day of small beginnings. It's that thing that God is at work and sometimes He has to challenge us to kind of get our thinking right and aligned with the Word of God. All right, so I just need to tell you, I'm celebrating 50 years as a believer. I know I don't look that old, but I really have been. So I, so I, I went to my, my hometown's Wanganui, so I went to my, my parish church um, a month ago and sat in the, by coincidence in the same spot where as a 12-year-old I heard the audible voice of God calling me to ministry. I didn't go to church expecting anything. I just went to church because my mother made me. And it was this thing where I was absolutely God-snapped and actually believed that everyone else had heard that voice and was kind of surprised that they hadn't because it was so impactful in my life. And I remember keeping it there. And then uh, I went to a school. I went to a private Anglican school and they had a reunion. And it was part of my journey of nostalgia uh, there's me outside the church uh, where I heard the gospel as a 17-year-old and for the first time it made sense. And, and then that night I went to my home, which is the big house in the trees there, with my parents' house, and gave my heart to Jesus. And on my left is um, the, my oldest friend. He was at, I met him at kindergarten. and He became a Christian six months before me. And uh, you also see that I'm dressed formally and he's in <laughs> we were invited to a meal and it was smart casual, so he's still struggling with the authority at school. <laughs> just pointing that out, just in case you wondered why I was all dressed up and he, I think he's got the issue. <laughs> the, th- the thing for me is that my transformation was so real that when I woke up the next day, I'd given my heart to, to Jesus using that four little, four little four spiritual laws, the little booklet, and I felt like it was an intellectual journey that I'd come to, and as I went to sleep, I thought, well, that's it. I've kind of worked it all out in my head. I'm going to follow Jesus. But I didn't realise it was anything more than that. And then I woke up in the morning feeling incredibly transformed. I felt like, like I was new, that my heart had been cleansed, that I was far more aware of, the, of everything and just, just uh, like the grass was green and the sky was blue, just that, that I just knew something amazing had happened in my life. And I'd found the bits and pieces that were missing that gave my life meaning and purpose. On top of that, I felt that God had shown me that if He could do it for me, He could do it for everyone. And so I've been on a journey kind of sharing my faith ever since I've led four mission organisations, either as its national director or its chair, and uh, been a missionary in Uruguay for a number of years, which has got the lowest number of believers in um, South America. In fact, there was no churches over the size of 80 when we were there, except for one that's regarded as a cult. And uh, so that was the kind of world that, that I've kind of lived in and loved. 
because I've been on so many adventures in God and I've seen the power of God work and it's just been one of the most exciting journeys. And so part of me is the sense of gratitude that I discovered as a 17-year-old when I was last muddled up and doing lots of dumb things uh, that he brought me into focus and he reached down and cared for me. And so my heart is that, that we would perhaps even today get refreshed in in that call that God has on our life because it's not something where he's sort of commanding us to do. It's a journey that he takes us on and we discover more and more of him as we go on the journey. So, yeah. So, you know, as I said, this is my second best sermon on the Great Commission. And there's a number of things that I think as we look at three texts that are unique. So this is the... The three things, like there's the Matthew 28 that you just had up on the screen before, and it's a great calling, but it's given to us with a promise. And so that's the unique thing about Matthew 28. It's a promise of His presence, that He will be with us, and that we will kind of experience Him in the journey, and in particular, that He's already been there touching the lives of the people that God is going to put us in contact with. And then there's the promise to go into all the world, but first of all, the great empowering that's given to us as believers. And again, it's that whole thing of, you know, well, we'll explore what being empowered means. And then Mark 16 is all about the great adventure that we will see God's work, you know, the power of God at work in our lives, that when we get together, we'll talk about the times when we saw the miraculous happen, when we prayed with people, when we saw lives transformed, and we'll talk about the amazing ways that God in His grace used us to be a blessing. So I want to go through those scriptures. And, okay, so let's start with the great calling that has a promise. So this is the, the number one one. And there's that wonderful scripture. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth, this is the Amplified translation has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded. And lo, I am with you always, remaining with you perpetually, regardless of circumstance, and on every occasion, even to the end of the age. So, I need to tell you a story. It's about a lady called Lois. Low to her friends, and she was wrestling with God. She was kind of sure that he didn't exist, but she had some doubts in her mind and needed to resolve them. So she decided to give God his last chance to speak to her, to show him that he's real. And so she went off to church. It was a pretty ordinary church service. But the first data show that came up, in fact, everything was blurred until she saw that scripture. Low. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Isn't that incredible that God knew her name, put a scripture in there, and even though it wasn't meant for low, it was for that moment. So scripture is all about God speaking into our lives where we're at, and the Word of God comes alive as we read it. So that's the thing. So it starts off with, all authority, and the Amplified says, all power and absolute rule in heaven has been given to me. Go, therefore. And this is what this, uh, a commentator said. Since, we, since I have all supernatural authority, do what I'm commanding. 
not in your own natural strength, but in my supernatural power. For it's an impossible task, but therefore it's a reminder that it is Jesus who calls us and it will be Jesus who empowers us. So, you know, the, this, this scripture was given to a group of people, mainly fishermen from Galilee, uneducated, apart from perhaps what they learnt in the synagogue as they learnt the, the books of the Torah. And so, so these, these guys were given a job to do to make disciples of all the world. Now, you know, I don't know about you, but I would be struggling um, to handle the enormity of it. But the point was that it was a command to go, but it says in there, that the literal Greek of go is as you go. And it talks about the opportunities that God will give to you us in your daily life and work. That if someone shares something um, about what's happening or something sad or whatever, maybe you'll be prompted to say something, to give something or to share something about what God has shown you about that circumstance. You know, so every day God places us in ministry opportunities, except that we haven't switched on to the fact that God is at work in those people that we're coming across. And that if we kind of start tuning in to what the Holy Spirit's wanting to say and do, because He's reaching out to every single one, His whole desire was that God so loved all the world, you know, that He gave His only Son. So He's calling everyone. And there are those whose, it says in, First uh, Corinthians, that he, uh, Satan has, um, has blinded them. But there's others that aren't blind that are seeking, trying to say there must be more than, to life than this. So what we've got is this kind of thing that's running parallel. And we have to discern who these people are. And uh, I don't know about you, but there was a time in my life where I used to go to church and then I'd walk out of church as a young person that I used to think it was a load of rubbish. And then it was only later that I... Uh, you know, and these people kind of continually showed love to me that I came through to a, a living relationship. So here we go, as you go. And then um, there's a, a, you know, sometimes in Scripture you have to ask the questions, so what's the, so what's the um, therefore for? And the therefore is the wherefore, and it's, and so all the way through Scripture, if you ever see a therefore, that's a clue that God wants to say something a little bit more profound. So, and this force is therefore. And a, a Bible commentator called Kistemaker, I think he must be German, he says this, go because the Lord has ordered it, be because he has promised to impart the needed strength, and C, because he's worthy of the homage, faith, and obedience of all people. And so he wrote a commentary with that idea in mind. Now, you would think that the early church would have sort of run out the gates, you know, uh, to all these far-flung places. But they didn't, and they, they had to endure, to, in a sense, as part of the unsettling process for them to go into all the world. They had to endure famines. Remember, there was a collection of all the saints, and, and the Apostle Paul bought the collection of, of money for them to help them through that rough time. There were persecutions where people, particularly the apostles, were killed, but anyone that followed Jesus was arrested. And then there was, what was the last one? Oh, then there was the, the armies uh, coming. And in AD 67, uh, when Jerusalem and the temple were attacked, it's there, um, when they were attacked, there was a scripture that was given to them 
uh, by Jesus to warn them of this time. And sorry, let's find the right scripture. Here it is. He says, when you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that the desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the city get out. Let those in the country not enter the city. For this is the time of punishment in fulfilment of what has been written. How dreadful it will be for pregnant women and nursing mothers. There will be great distress in the land and wrath against his people. They will fall by the sword and will be taken prisoner to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the time of Gentiles is fulfilled. So we go back to this here. So when they saw that scripture, they took it literally and they all fled to that place called uh, Pella. It's, it's in Jordan. And that's where the entire Christian church, although it does say that people would flee to the mountains, but anyway, Jordan was another nation which uh, Rome wasn't invading. And so they saved with their lives. But they also discovered another truth. And that is the blessing that when you've left home or brothers and sisters or mother or, or children or fields for me, you will, will, will not fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age of homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Many of now first will be last and the last first. And so that's what they discovered, that they went through this experience where God poured out his favour as they relocated themselves into this, this uh, one of the towns of the Decapolis called, called um, Pella, and then they moved on to the other great centres, Antioch and Corinth and Rome, that became the centres of Christianity. And as they went, they planted churches. So it happened very naturally, even though they had been given this great commission many years ago to go out into all the world. So, yeah, so that's, that's what happened. They didn't do it because they rushed out because filled with the Holy Spirit. They rushed out because they're trying to avoid being killed. <laughs> and they discovered some wonderful truths. So the thing they, um, they also said, and I don't know if you saw it in that, um, was that make disciples. And the, the Amplified Version says, help the people learn of me, believe in me, and obey my words. So that's our, our commission. And tradition has Thomas going as far as India, there's a big uh, Martoma church in the south of India now. Um, James, as far as uh, that uh, Decompons, was it uh, Santiago de Compostela in the end of um, far as places of Spain. Andrew to what was known as Russia, but also Scotland claims them. So I'm not sure how he got to Russia and Scotland, but anyway. And then Simon the Zealot to Iran. And they went believing... Uh, as they were sent, uh, that this was Christ leading and guiding them on an amazing adventure. Okay, so we go to the next. The great empowering is the focus of Acts 1 uh, verse 8. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in all Jerusalem and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And the church recognised people who were filled with spirit. How did, they, how did they know it? It showed. It overflowed. Um, things happened when they prayed. And there was one time, which I'm sure if this is, yeah, so in Acts 6, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, choose from among you seven men of good reputations, men of good character, moral integrity, 
full of the Spirit and of wisdom, of whom we may put in charge uh, of uh, the distribution to the widows. And then there's a whole lot of other scriptures. And so it was actually a recognisable understanding. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, that was Barnabas. Barnabas, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. So there's something of the encounter that God wants to give to us that is so rich and so real and so profound that it is actually recognisable in us and that people can see something of Christ, something of our faith and hope that is contagious and they are drawn to it. So you can often often feel a little bit condemned by that because if I ask the question, is that really of me? And the other day I had the grandchildren and they were throwing balls inside and I was getting really grumpy and they said, my wife challenged me, said, do you want to be known as a grumpy granddad or, you know, and uh, a few other things. And I thought, and I thought, yeah, there is a side that it's a decision and it's a decision every day to ask the Lord to say, God, fill me with your spirit. Fill me, use me, here am I, your servant. Uh, Lord, put people across my path today that, that uh, I kind of might be able to help and, and journey with. And there was a, so what I saw of the early church was an expectation that God would use them in such a way that they had uh, prepared themselves uh, at the, in their quiet times for a day of mission. And that every day it was a day of mission and they expected God and somehow to turn up. Now, um, we need to realise that this power that is given to us is a lot more powerful than we realise, and it comes from the word dynamite. And a guy called, Bible commentator called, you can read it, uh, (laughs) Bay said this, this expresses well the greatness of the power to upheave the obstacles in their way. Although the obstacles bestowed was in its action more like that of the sun, which is infinitely greater than all the explosives in the world. And then he goes on to say, this power includes moral and spiritual power, power to overcome temptations and to do the right thing under trying circumstances, power to lead men and women, obviously, to the Saviour, power to overcome all enemies and obstacles, though they seem like mountains to be cast into the sea, power to work miracles, power to lead the church, power to bring the kingdom of heaven among us. It comes from the teacher's commentary on the book of Acts. And so there is a side that we are called to operate out of that because it's been given to us. And I think it's because in our, our Western thinking is we don't realise what's been given. And so we say what we're experiencing is all that there is. And yet it's there waiting for us to activate and a, a bit of faith. Okay, so the last one is the great adventure. And I don't know about you because I'm reflecting, this is one of those nostalgic things where I'm reflecting on my 50 years. It has been an adventure. You know, not everything's worked out the way I'd hoped. Things have always gone well. But, but the thing is, as I look back, I have no regrets because God has been so faithful. And he says this, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. He who has believed in me, again, this is the Amplified, I think, in me, has been baptised, will be saved from the penalty of God's wrath and judgment. But he who has not believed will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents. 
and they will drink anything deadly. And if they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick, and they will get well. So I've got this friend called Richard, and he's he's just come back to Christ. I led him back to Christ after he got into trouble with the police. And but he went on a mission when he was in his first kind of time as a believer to Fiji. And he he you know. He used to be coming to a house group that we ran. And he would often take me aside and say, Graydon, this is the thing I can't understand, he says. He says, he said, when I went there, blind people got their sight, bedridden people got out of bed, people who were sick got healed. I got to pray and see miracles. I also have been, you know, so, yeah, so he saw those things. But the thing for me is I had done a number of missions to Fiji as well, and I'd seen the same kind of things. I remember as a... As my first mission, I went, and our first job was to pray through a house, and they just got rid of all the idols uh, from it, and the lady of the house had been prayed for and had uh, regained her sight. And there was, everyone was dumbfounded, but this family had made a decision, and our first job on our, our, our mission was to pray through this house, and particularly in the area where the idols had sat, um, for cleansing. And then the miracles happened. People were slain in the spirit. There'd be so many people um, just out on the floor, and uh, there were uh, demonic manifestations, and and uh, particularly the the ministers that we were with were very very good at doing deliverances, and and so that was just their natural parks. Most of their converts in the churches we went to were from Hindu uh, or Muslim traditions. So. So he was asking that question. Um, so if it happened, and because and, I could say, well, I saw these things. And, we, and, and it was almost like this book of uh, you know, um, Mark 16. We were talking about what we saw God doing and we we're amazed at the power of God. And of course, we then kind of reduce it back. Why isn't it happening in our midst? Why isn't it happening in New Zealand? Why do we go to these places I do have a theory that when you, when you go on a short-term mission, you've paid so much money that you're expecting God to use you because it's gone at a price and the people at the other end expect that you wouldn't have come this far and paid so much money if you had nothing to impart. So there's a mutuality. And I think there is also, I think as I read the Scriptures, an apostolic anointing as you go out and, and uh, get out of your depth and God uses you. Okay, so... Yeah, I had so many things. I remember once I preached the gospel to a whole lot of Muslims. They created this tent and there'd been a Christian community there of about five guys and they hadn't seen anyone come to Christ the whole time they were there apart from one lady called Boss. And they said, great, this is your moment. Please help us preach the gospel. I've got a crowd. I preached the best gospel message I've ever prayed and not one person responded. So I went and saw this lady and she, I said to, uh, who's on my team, and I said, what did I do wrong? He said, you didn't pray for the sick first. And so I then she said, go back and see if there's anyone who's sick. And virtually half the people there were sick in some kind. And then we saw this outpouring of healings. And I realised that often when Jesus went anywhere, he always prayed for the sick first, and then he preached. You know, In other words, he then kind of responded to the questions that they had. But we saw this, and I remember seeing this guy's legs shaking as I was praying, and it was just sort of shaking and... I was thinking, this is weird, but I kind of love it. You know, that was the whole thing. So th- there's a scripture which says, um, in, when Jesus was uh, doing 
evangelism. He said, uh, sorry, I'm just going to get to the right page. Um, when, yeah, when, yeah, so there was a slide for it. So Jesus said, um, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him for living water. And I, and I felt, and as I was studying this, that the Holy Spirit was saying to me, Graydon, you know, you don't, and a lot of the church folk don't realise who I am in your culture. And, and they don't know what the gift is that I can give to them. It's like we have been um, almost inoculated to say that people aren't interested in Christianity. And, and I think what I see anyway is that, that there is the sense that God is wanting to, to use us and, and it's, it's in a way that's far greater than what we can realise. But we've, over, we've overcomplicated it. It's so much simpler. Um, and perhaps if I tell you, hands up those who have seen the movie Jesus Revolution. Okay, so no, it's one of those must-sees. You know, so, so this, this is the um, thing behind it. But, but, but what happened there was this move of the Holy Spirit amongst, you know, hippies in the 60s and 70s. And it was amazing uh, kind of reflection on the life of Greg Laurie, who came into that big crusade here about 10 years ago at, at the ASB of Reno, yeah. Um, so, and, and, and there's a guy there called Loney Frisbee, which is an unusual name, but which I guess it's memorable. But he kind of moved in signs and wonders. And he came to John Wimber, uh, his church in Anaheim, and preached one night. And at the end of the message, he just asked everyone to stand. And then the Holy Spirit came in power when he prayed three words. And those words were, Come, Holy Spirit. And then just using the website of um, Vineyard USA, it was a simple prayer, one of those which has become important prayers as we pray across the Vineyard family of churches. The prayer was simply, come Holy Spirit. It is a prayer that the Church of Jesus Christ has been praying in many forms over many centuries. That night, when the three-word prayer was prayed, all heaven broke loose in John Wimber's community. An entire movement of churches has in its way grown around that prayer that after gathering, deeply encountered by the Holy Spirit, young people then poured into the streets, leading hundreds and then thousands to faith in Jesus Christ. Miracles followed their simple prayers, such as healing of bodies and minds, as well as deliverance from addictions. And so here's my theory why not a lot's happening in our lives is because we've overthought everything. And that maybe it's just so much simple, simpler and that, that the idea is that people are interested in truth and life and they are interested in Jesus. It's just that a whole lot more simpler. And maybe if someone shares a deep problem, our first prayer as we pray for them is, come Holy Spirit, and then to see where it goes. Because I believe that the Holy Spirit is wanting to move just as powerfully here in New Zealand as it does, as he does already in Fiji and other places where they've seen outpourings of the Holy Spirit. 
So there is a sense that, that those words are an invitation for God to do a transforming work. And that He is far more at, at work than we realise that He's been speaking to people in dreams, He's been giving them um, perhaps hard periods that they've gone through looking for some kind of meaning and purpose to their life and that their brokenness is, is, is just staring them in the face and they don't know which way to go. And we have the way, the truth and the life. And God is just saying, here am I, trust me, use me, be obedient to me, but don't overthink it, just trust me and go with your gut. The gut is uh, that he is wanting to speak to you and will prompt you and guide you. So my challenge now is that we would do what Loney Frisbee did and invite the Holy Spirit to come and to touch our lives. And what I'd like us to do is to just, as we stand and we start just waiting on God and we're just saying ourselves to invite the Holy Spirit, that we then pray for one another for a fresh empowering. And the other is that this week, somehow, God by His Holy Spirit would use us to touch other lives and particularly the people that He puts across our path that we might, in a sense, switch into the thought, this is not by accident. This is a divine encounter. So let's pray. Let's stand to pray. And so we say the words that have touched so many churches, so many lives, We say, come Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we now just in our own lives just invite the Holy Spirit to come. We invite you now, Holy Spirit, come. Your word says where two or three are gathered in my name. There are you in the midst of us. Father, you are here and you're touching us now. Thank you, Father, that that your word is truth. Come, Holy Spirit. You are mine.